You're listening to Addicted to Growth. Join us each week as we sit down with sales, marketing, and revenue leaders on the front lines of innovation. New insights, new playbooks, new tech, new lessons. Step forward into growth and development or backwards into safety and security. The choice is yours. Let's get into the show. All right, so start like start right from the top again. <laughs> so, you know, I'm encouraged because I'm seeing a global movement. Unlike some of the the previous heinous things that have happened to Trayvon, to Sandra Bland, to um, at all, and I can't name all the names. But what's different now is that tea kettle of America has whistled, and the world is not just listening; they hear it, and they hear it loudly, and they're acting. And it's happening in every demographic, every socioeconomic stage in the world. And the encouraging part is I I sat in on a peaceful protest here in my town last week, and I found two things really interesting. First of all, an enormous amount of first-time voters, which I couldn't help but smile and see that. Because I've got a 21-year-old that is going to clip the levers of justice for the first time in his life. And along with all of his friends that we have raised since some of them uh, kindergarten, preschool. So it's great to see that they're, I won't just say awoke, but they're aware now of what's going on and it's impacting them. The other piece is the global world is speaking loudly and we have no choice but to hear it. I think that there's a tide that's starting to turn. I think that it's not just, um, in the quote unquote real world, but I also see it happening in the professional arena. I've had 10 to 12 people reach out. And of those 10 to 12, I'd say half of them, I considered work friends or colleagues. 12 of those I consider friends now because they want to be a part of the solution. I've written a 10 step manifesto. I've put it up on LinkedIn. I've put it on all of my social media because I continually am being asked, what can we do as allies? What can we do as friends? And, and it's amazing that um, it seems so simplistic, but at the same time, it's so all-encompassing. And I don't claim to be the smartest, not at all. I don't even claim to be the smartest in rooms that I walk into, thankfully. But I do know one thing. I've lived in this world for long enough. I've been a part of both positive and negative. I've been fortunate enough to live in a multiplicity of colors, shapes, ethnicities, sexual orientations, etc. And I love what I'm hearing right now. And that is not just Black Lives Matter. What I'm hearing is don't forget to vote in November. That's encouraging. Because the way we're going to change this is through the legal system. We can't do it any other way. I'm also hearing that people are, and seeing that people are locking arms now. And I don't mean proverbially anymore. I mean, truly they are locking arms and they are determined to make a difference. That's what encourages me today. Yeah, that, 
you you put me in an amazing place thinking about how you're approaching the situation because to your earlier point about you know how we're feeling today and being focused on driving change and driving growth it's you know one of the core principles of this show and being able to show people that you know if you're always willing to you know, put yourself out there and learn and share your thoughts and continue to be, you know, a part of the solution. It's a never ending process of growth. And um, I am just so, you know, honored one to have you back on today, Roderick. I am humbled as well. I'm, this has been, for me, it's been a similar thing and trying to, you know, find ways to grow through this. And I think one of the interesting things about today's conversation is kind of some of the things that are in your work that I think are also tied into building that, you know, foundation for people that they can kind of look to and think, how do we make sure that we have a diversified team and kind of where these things fall into the process? And I think especially for you being someone that's on the front lines and helping a lot of these companies build the foundations and the strategies, I'm, I'm definitely excited to kind of hear some of the things that you've been working on, especially as I know you've been trying to shape and, and build the new playbooks of, of tomorrow. It's, it's interesting that you say that, the playbook of tomorrow. Um, I look at it as, and I try and stay away from the new normal because I think that's just become almost trite <laughs> these days, right, of people talking about the new normal. First of all, there's nothing normal about where we are <laughs> from a personal or a professional perspective, but there is a next normal, and that's where I'm focused. And that next normal is going to be shaped very differently by, in the professional world, the buying cycle, right? I'm focused on how can we design, build, and deploy what I'm calling sales enablement 2.0. Look, I, I've been in sales, sales enablement for the past 20 plus years with companies like Siebel Systems, PayPal, Oracle, Salesforce, Marketo. And like you guys, I've experienced a significant shift in the buyers and the sales landscape that we're experiencing right now. Look, not only was it unexpected what happened, but it seemed like it all happened overnight. There was no rush up to this. There was no, we saw this coming. It's just one day someone clicked the lights off and normally we know where the light switch is on the wall. Right now, I feel like we're all walking around in a dark room touching four walls where the light switch should be, but no one told us it's up above us right now. And so sales, sales leadership, sales enablement can be challenging even in the best of times, but What's happened right now and the challenges of trying to navigate through sales, sales enablement, marketing, let's just call it business in general, the last six months has been nothing short of, in, in my feeling, overwhelming. Now, many of the things that we once considered normal no longer apply. And if it hasn't already touched every part of your business landscape, beginning with talent assessment and talent selection, the traditional hiring and placement process has been completely uprooted by right now there's availability of a higher level of folks out there. There's a need for folks not only to feel like they're part of something or, or need to fit into something right now, but also to feel safe because given all the uncertainty in the world we're experiencing, I'd say it's unprecedented access right now to a number of unemployed seasoned 
successful sales professionals than I can remember any time, if ever, in my career. And this has forced companies, to answer your question, to reevaluate their definition of what we call the IEP, which is the ideal employee profile, right? Do you have the right profile in place to get through this period? Um, how do you take advantage of the available talent pool that's out there right now? How will you enable your teams to clearly and concisely and consistently message, position, and sell in this new undefined environment that we're walking into? How do you coach your sales leaders to lead with empathy, humanity, and EQ on a deeper level than you've ever seen before? Now, while selling may feel awkward right now, at the moment, it's not going to last forever. Businesses are starting to finally turn the corner a little bit. And I think within the next one to two quarters, we're going to see things kind of go back to business, not as normal, but back to business of advancing and closing deals, right? This is where sales enablement has to be prepared as a business partner to enable in a very different way than we ever have before. I believe there are four components to designing, building this sales enablement 2.0. First is focus. And I mean, focusing your energy on goals, deliverables, on things that you can impact and align with your company's goals. Because frankly, everything else is just noise. The second is connections. And I didn't say connect, but connections. Relationships are the backbone of success and always have been, even more so right now. There's never been a time, as I said earlier, where leading with humanity, empathy, and EQ has meant more. The third is adapting. We all hear that word pivot being thrown around all the time. But we've got to pivot to a deeper value around improving discovery skills for sellers, mapping to buyers' landscapes, increasing profit, reducing costs, mitigating risk, and focusing on business outcome selling with a focus on helping your customers retain their existing customers. Because right now, it's hard to prospect to a lot of customers that have no prospects themselves. And the final is commitment. We've got to incorporate an innovative sales enablement 2.0 strategy post-epidemic, excuse me, post-pandemic, into your go-to-market strategy as a key differentiator, not only internally, but as a component of your go-to-market strategy where you can accelerate your company as a clear thought leader in your space and help those partners of yours, those prospects of yours, those customers of yours to maintain their existing customers. That's what I'm seeing today. There is no back to normal. You know, it's about defining the next normal for both people and processes. It's an opportunity right now to reevaluate and reinvent as well as establish new ways to communicate, collaborate, and orchestrate in ways that we never thought were imaginable for your teams, your prospects, your partners, and your clients. And as the old adage has proven to be true over and over again that I learned as a little boy, one day it's going to rain. Well, as you know, right now it's storming. The big question is post-pandemic, will you be the one buying umbrellas or selling them? That's my thoughts. Oh, I'm like, where do I, oh, I mean, just to say, I definitely want to be someone with the umbrellas. That's just, 
<laughs> but <laughs> I'm like, you, you touched on a lot of great things. Like Kev, what's the biggest thing that jumps out to you? You know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still absorbing it. Right. Cause there, there was, there was a lot of really, really good nuggets there, but I think one of the reasons why I enjoy this, this show and interacting with people is because it is all about growth. It's all about learning. It's all about, uh, to an extent, overcoming adversity. And we're all faced with, with a lot of it right now. Um, and, you know, you've talked about coaching sales leadership with leading with greater EQ and, and we hear the word empathy a ton as well. Um, and I think the way I think, I do think people are going to take a real hard look at the people that they've surrounded themselves with from, from, you know, through their hiring processes. And I think there's going to be a lot of optimizations. If, if you're coaching, whether it's sales leadership, it's hiring managers, it's just the, you know, business owners, where do you start? Like, how do you kind of go through that evaluation process and say, okay, like we really need to rethink, you know, our, our hiring process, the, uh, you know, the ideal employee profile, as you put it, which, which is spot on. So where do you start? Well, I'll, what we generally do in my business is where are you now and where do you want to get to? And then we reverse engineer where you want to get to. We partner with companies that focus on nothing but sales assessment and excuse me, talent assessment and acquisition. And then we take it from there and we look at it as a marathon to get to that place with the sales coaches. What are you doing right now to build more leaders instead of managers? What constitutes success as a sales leader in your company? If you could change three things today, what would those three things be? What's your plan to get to that stage of the next level? And then we have a proprietary assessment that really shows from an actionable perspective on a spectrum of one to five, based upon this assessment, where you are, but not just where you are, the action items to move you from being a one, a two, a three, a four, to really making it that five. And that's based upon hours and hours of assessment conversations and reiteration of this assessment. It's interesting that you said to look at it as a marathon to get there. You know, is that through the lens and, and just sort of a, a level set of reality that these things don't happen overnight. Like they do, they do take time, right? Like I, I think yeah. I, you see that a lot, right? You see that a lot with companies where they want to get from A to B and they're like, Oh, like, we just, we got to do this one thing or it's going to happen fast. So they really push the envelope. And then, you know, we've all seen the unfortunate end of that movie. It, it never really pans out. So, so is, is that marathon approach a very much a, a purposeful word and an approach that, that you and your business takes? 100%. There, there are two things that we always say to prospects and clients. One, you can do it right. Or you can do it fast. You don't get both at the same time. Right. And the second is to your point, it is a marathon, but a marathon starts with one step. And so your business is not 
Amazon Prime, you can't start today and expect it to show up in two days. That's not how it works, right? Nothing worth having just suddenly appears. Otherwise, it's not valued or appreciated. And the same comes with sales coaching. We've got to understand first and foremost, what does good look like? What does great look like? Is good enough good enough for your company? Or do you want to be world-class? And if so, now we have two different directions that we take. We look at the backgrounds of your sales folks. We also look at your um, career pathing process inside of your company. Are you now gradually building folks towards leaders? Do you have that process in place for career pathing? And what does that look like? And then at the end of the day, are you now purposefully and purposely building up those leaders or are you doing what has traditionally been done is which is we've got an absolute rock star salesperson we promote them to sales manager but we never actually teach them how to coach or how to lead so what happens is they start managing their team the same way they did their patch here's problem number one two and three one they've never even held a team meeting before Two, they have no idea in some cases what sales coaching looks like because it hasn't been modeled for them. And three, invariably everybody wants to do a good job. Let's put the framework in place that will match the passion for their desire to be great. Yeah, it's interesting too because I see another another pitfall from that that sales rock star to, to managers, you try to create this, you know, small team of, of mini me's, right? Absolutely. And it's, and it's, you know, my, the way I sell and my style or my motivations or like, it's, it's all very, very different. Right. And the skill sets and like, I know, you know, I, 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 when I was, as an individual contributor, I, I started to realize like what I thought I was pretty good at. And I tried to lean into that, you know, and, and, but that's not, it's going to be different for every single person. So, that understanding or that ability to mold talent that is not just replicating your skill sets. Absolutely. I had a mentor that used to say to me, and it always rings in my ears, even to this day, and it is individual contributors win awards, leaders give awards. But what it takes between those two is the passion, the desire, and the structure to become a leader. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, the passion's the big thing, right? I think I've had a lot of conversations with with sales reps in the past that they 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 say they want to move to manager because that just sounds like it's the next best step or that's the natural progression for them. And they've My never friend, done it because once you move, you realize it's not what you think it was. <laughs> exactly, exactly, right? So the first question I always ask is why? Mm-hmm. Right. Like why, why do you want to make that move? And when I hear, Oh, like I, I want, I want to manage people. Like that's like the first, like, you know, that's the most common answer. And it's like, glaring right. Right. And it's like, well, what does that mean to you? But once I start to hear things, well, it's like, well, I, I, I do have a natural passion for, for, for teaching or for coaching or helping others. Right. Like once you start to see that there's, there's actually something, in the core of that person that is passionate about these things, that's like, okay, this is someone we can really, really work with. But it's also really hard for someone to take that back seat because there's, there's very, there's, there's plenty of times where as the manager, the leader, whoever, 
you're not going to get the credit that, you know, the, the, the sales rep that brought in that big contract, they don't, you don't get that. And you they shouldn't, do. you no. should not, you know, the, the best answer I've heard to that question of why, and I ask why a lot, the best answer I've ever heard to this, why do you want to move to become a sales leader is, and it was so simple that it just completely blew me off my seat. I am ready to move from me to we. I was just frozen, just like you are right now. I am yeah. ready to move from me to we. I mean, I just want to talk to the human that said that. Uh, where did that, where did that come from? Because I, I, I think one of the things that it jumps out to me with all of this too, is that like in between, you know, the individual contributors and the leaders, uh, you know, giving and individual contributors receiving the awards is the passion, desire, and that structure. But one of the things that I'm starting to see, and especially with a lot of the communities that I'm involved with, is that there are certain type of people like that I find have things that others don't. And what I mean by that is, is it takes a special individual to spend a Friday night talking with other people in their profession about how to get better. Absolutely. And I'll say that one more time. There are a select few people and they're very special who spend Friday nights talking with each other about how to get better at their professions before going into the weekends. Yeah. It, it takes a special and humble type of individual as well. And, you know, everyone is not built to be a leader. Some folks, I think that's a good and a bad thing. And I always give a sports analogy on this one, and, and it's pretty basic. The problem, back to what you were saying earlier, Kevin, about people just innately believing that the folks on their team can do what they did to be successful. Here's a simple analogy. Best basketball players in the world, Magic Johnson. Isaiah Thomas, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, perennial all-stars and Hall of Famers, the absolute worst coaches in the history of the NBA for a simple reason. I can practice 8 million hours a week. I'm not going to be those guys. I don't have that natural, innate, God-given talent to go do what they do. But what I can do is learn both how they do things and how not to do things. And my mom always used to say, you learn how to or how not. Either way, you learn. If you are humble enough to learn from anyone, regardless of their level, their talent, their title, if they can teach, that's where a true leader is. Teach me so that I may now go and share what I've been taught. I love that. And I think educators are, are people that I've always respected uh, being someone that was always eager to learn and grow. And I think one of the things that's missing also from the sales enablement space, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, are the skills of teaching. Like, because I think we talked about this a little bit in our, our previous episode we uh, did. <laughs> about the different ways people learn. And so I'm curious, like now, Right. Like realizing like a lot of these managers are starting to think, oh, I don't know how to teach anybody anything because I don't know how to learn myself. 
<laughs> and no, so right. I'm, right. I'm curious to hear how you're kind of enabling, because it's like you got to do a couple of things when you go into a company, right? Like not only do you have to make them aware that this is an issue, a challenge, a problem that needs to be solved and like solved last month, not like right now, like you're late if we're just not talking. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Um, but I'm just curious on like, what are some things that you would, you know, suggest that people do to kind of learn, just maybe piggyback on some of the stuff that you might've shared last time, but then any new developments that you've had since then? I'm about the, the, the options of three, as you know, mm. first is, and people ask me all the time, ready to come into sales enablement, move into it. And, and I teach them. I always say that you're not ready for sales enablement. If you're coming in to teach, you have to come into sales enablement because you want to learn. The second thing is, it's kind of three steps. Listen, learn, then lead. Intrinsically, as leaders, we're fixers. That's what we do. That's kind of how we got to where we are, right? And, and I think what sales enablement can do now is take this basic three-part question every time you start a conversation. Let's take this beyond sales enablement. In general, if you are a leader, and I start every one of my one-on-ones, my team meetings, you can ask the folks that have ever been on my team. Every time they come to me, I ask them a simple three-part question. Do you want me to listen? Do you want me to fix? Or do you want me to coach? Because that allows me to put on the right ears for them because I will go into fix mode. And most of the times it's, I want you to listen. I've got these crazy things in my head. Does this make any sense? I want you to coach because I've tried these five things and it's not working, or I want you to fix. I've done everything I know how to do. I've asked everybody in my circle, it's still not working. You've gotten here, you've done this before. Do you want me to listen? Do you want me to coach? Or do you want me to fix? That's, that is amazing advice because I think as, as leaders and managers, you're right. Like it's the, the natural or the quick and, and sometimes the very easy reaction is here, here's what to go do. Like, here's how you fix it. Or here's, here's what to go say, right. Or here's how to respond to that objection or whatever the case may be. But sometimes the, the, sometimes they don't want that. Like sometimes they just want to be heard. Like sometimes mm-hmm. they just want to like sanity check, gut check. Am I thinking about this right? Am I processing this right? So it's, and I think that tie back to like just leading with EQ. Like it, it's, I think that is going to be a very, very big topic. And I think that's going to be a very, very big level of investment for companies moving forward because the landscape has changed radically over the last six months. And I think the, 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 the manager's role is evolving greatly. Like I know I'm seeing it firsthand and you know, you can use your intuition and, and to, to kind of guide yourself on how to navigate these things, but it's, it's a lot more complex than that. It is 100%. You hit the right word complex. And so, you know, I, I always go into these calls or if I'm doing a keynote or whatever it may be with, with kind of a mindset of three, I know surprise, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what do I want you to think if you're the audience? What do I want you to feel? And what do I want you to do? I think I've given the first two. I would be remiss if I didn't give actions on where they can go and put this into practical application right now. The first is reset your ideal customer profile, your ICP, because right now there is a stronger partnership need between sales, marketing, and sales enablement than ever. 
It has to be an airtight end-to-end process. I'm talking about messaging, positioning, go-to-market strategy, short, medium, long-term metrics, focus on the enablement plan that ultimately ties back to the overall business objectives. Right now for sales folks, the C-suite is more accessible than it has ever been. You can expect the VP of sales to be intimately involved in every one of the deals because they're at risk right now, both the buyer and the seller VP. Also, the buying cycles have extended, no surprise. And even more decision makers are involved in the buying cycle right now. So you need to connect with everybody that's included in that decision process intimately. You've got to focus on not just ROI, but because we don't have enough acronyms, let's throw another one in. COI, (laughs) the cost of inaction. What happens if you do nothing? How far do you fall behind? The next is the decision criteria for companies has shifted. As you said, the entire landscape has shifted. For enablement folks and sales folks, nice to have pre-COVIDs were You know, how can I help our clients decrease time to revenue, increase productivity? How do I help them um, increase selling productivity? How do we focus on strategy, architecture, and execution, i.e. the three Ps again, processes, programs, and platforms? Those are nice-to-haves now. The must-haves are how can we help our clients hold on to their current customers? How do we focus on business outcome selling, increasing profit, risk mitigation, reducing risk, and cost. And then how do we validate that with all of our sellers so it's consistent? And I look at it as an accreditation or a certification, right? Improving your discovery skills, focusing on the buyer landscape, um, outcome-based selling with that ROI and that COI that I talked about. How do you articulate the top five business problems, success criteria, metrics and analytics, and then competitive, and we are naturally competitive folks as sales folks and sales enablement folks, what are you doing with gamification? If you're not using it right now, you're behind the curve. Badges, leadership boards, reward systems, customer movement, right? And that's where you say the landscape's move. Before it's, we give you this big spiff because you closed it. No, let's now step back and let's award you in some way or form, may not monetarily be, but in some way, shape or form, as you're moving customers because we need to feel some success right now. The next is how do you stay top of mind with your prospects and your customers without being annoying? And it's to your point earlier, Kevin, leading with empathy, compassion, EQ. It's continuing to curate and share, and I wanna say the key word, valuable and applicable content, not just continually sending things out in, in, you know, in your email chains. No, it's not about a drip campaign anymore. Uh-huh. It's about sharing valuable because we see right through it, right? Selling through this epidemic, how can the pandemic, how can we help you? Here's some free tools you may not be aware of. What we're doing is even we've created a complimentary sales enablement assessment that will help a company benchmark where they are versus other companies that either we have all worked with or that are in our portfolio today. And then what we do is we summarize things in every email in no more than three or four bullets because frankly, budgets aren't gonna be frozen forever. And we're gonna remember as people and as buyers who was there and who tried to sell to us. And when they're ready to engage again, that's who we're gonna touch. And the final piece is, And I see this too many times. Um, First line is, 
I hope everything is well. I hope you're safe. I hope you and your family are okay. It's starting to feel disingenuous now. Change that up. You've got to be able to wait to get that point across without saying the same thing that everyone else in the world is saying. And nurture now for post-COVID success. Got to take a linear focus on not looking and sounding like everybody else. We've done some basic human focus videos that don't even have our logos on them. They're about how are you feeling? What are you going through right now? This is what our other clients and our prospects are telling us. Are you feeling the same way or do you feel something new that we could share with others? Tie all of your social media and your outbound communications to business outcome. I look at companies all the time and I can't really tell who they are or what they're about. Share some info, some stats, some best practices from other thought leaders in their space. We all know who the rock stars are. Take some of their quotes, share it out with your prospects and your customers, right? Even with small businesses, we're a small business. Share some things around, hey, I found out some new info around the PPP or around some grants that are available. Here's a quick snapshot. Here's some new productivity tools. We all have a million ideas around remote worker best practices, but take it from a human angle. What's it like to work remote when you've never done it before? It's your first job and you're out there as a BDR and suddenly you feel like you're on an island. You're a old salty dog salesperson and you've been doing this for 20 years. But right now I can't get in front of folks and I'm a closer in front of you. I'm not a closer on Zoom. How do you do it differently? So that's where I think from an actionable perspective, those are some things that folks can go and put into practical application right now. I hope I've helped. Yeah, you've definitely helped me a lot. And it's interesting, too, uh, what you say about um, one of the things that people aren't kind of grasping is that a lot of the stuff that we're all talking about with, with the different ways that, you know, they can lead their teams and a lot of the different things they can do to position themselves to drive success. And a lot of them aren't thinking about what they're doing as people to grow and evolve right now. And so one of the things that I've been starting to find is that there's actually a big overlap between what's happening in people's like actual personal lives and mm-hmm. what's happening in their business lives. And I kind of joked a little bit about this, but actually now that I'm saying it out loud, it makes a lot more sense, but move away from this. I sell to VPs of marketing and think, well, what is the life of a VP of marketing that has three children and their husband actually works 20 hours a day. So they're burdened with that on top of trying to manage a $2 million budget. Like what does that person need versus like I help VPs of marketing every single day do X, Y, and Z and like going that little step deeper. And I think the companies and brands that do will be able to build deeper connections to your point, to be able to, to work with those people potentially once we get, you know, through this, this tough time. Yeah. Because invariably, Sure, we focus on programs, processes, platforms, tools, engagement, growth, all of that. But ultimately, at the core of sales enablement, we're in the people business. Our job is to make people bigger, faster, and stronger so that they will then conversely be able to take that into their businesses and out to their prospects and their customers and make them bigger, faster, and stronger. We're in the people business. That's what we do. And that's why I absolutely love sales enablement because we get to touch every part of the organization. I said it in the last time we talked, 
Mm-hmm. We are the conductors. We are the translators of dialects and languages. All of the lines of business, all of our customers are out there trying to play music and it's sounding like a bunch of jumbled notes until one person sales enablement steps up, taps the stand and becomes a conductor. And then it turns into a beautiful piece of music. I don't think there's a better job on the planet than sales enablement for that very reason. Oh, it's, it's really cool because you, you like, and I, 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 I totally see it. Like sales enablement is the glue that I think that brings everything together and it makes everything work really well and very efficient. But I like how, how much like at the forefront you see sales enablement, right? Like you, you, you kind of look at it, it's like all these different siloed departments, like until it's brought together. And, and I think it's cool because you're taking, you take the ownership of that. And then the passion is clearly there. I mean, you, you, <laughs> that's never a question, right? But it's, I, I wonder, how do you think a lot of companies perceive sales enablement? Like, do they, do, do you think a lot of organizations internally see it as like the forefront? What's the glue that's bringing this all together? Or do you think it's kind of getting a backseat from the sales side? Well, it depends on the company. And it also depends on the maturation cycle of where they are as a company. Yeah. There, there are two distinct camps. One is sales enablement is really training with a cool, fancy name, or they're the fixers of broken things. No IT does that. They've got that worked out. We're not going to get in their <laughs> way of doing that. That is not what sales enablement is. That's generally a company that has no true sales enablement leader. They have no charter that explains what enablement is and is not. So they become sales scribes. They become sales servants. Here's the other camp. Sales enablement is a sales partner. Beyond that is a business partner that touches every part of the organization. And they also speak every language. And that's why I call us the the owners of dialects and languages. We've got to be able to speak product marketing, product management, engineering, HR, sales, pro- professional services, customer support, customer success, and then go out, meet with customers, take that information, come back and share it back in their language, not in sales enablement, googly gob. It's, hey, product marketing, love the new company pitch, but slide seven's a little fuzzy. Can we either remove that or smooth it out? Hey, product management, we've heard the same request from 10 prospects or customers. Can we move that up on the release cycle? Hey, HR, you guys are doing a fantastic job of hiring, but what we're seeing is the need for a different employee profile right now, because I feel like we're kind of falling behind what's happening in the competitive space. Hey, sales, here are the things that are happening out there. Here's what we found out from your success criteria. Here's what we put in place as far as accreditation certifications, podcasts, etc. And also, here are the metrics that are coming back that are showing that our people are either better at this or here's some soft spots that we found that I would recommend that we focus on right now, not only here, but globally. There's the two different camps of sales enablement. I'd say the biggest trend that Travis and I are probably hearing, and and Travis, I want to get your thoughts on this too, but whether we're talking to a marketing leader, we're talking to a sales leader, sales enablement, uh, you know, anyone on the post sales client experience side, voice of the customer is constantly coming up as the, the, the nucleus of what everything needs to be built off of. Right. 
It's, Absolutely. and I love that sales enablement is taking such a proactive effort toward, towards that. Well, I think we've all found out over time that focusing on trying to get your customer prospect to fit into your sales process, your sales stages, your sales methodology does not work. First of all, you've got to step back and understand what is their buyer's journey look like? What is their why and when for buying? And then how do we figure out how to take our selling process, our selling motions, selling strategy, and fit into the buyer cycle rather than trying to squeeze them into the selling process just so we can update for forecasts in our CRM system. Stop it. Yeah. 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 Just to add on that, Kev, I think one of the key themes, and I think this is something that's also, it's been with me for a while and just from out of the sheer curiosity in my nature that like when I was the first SDR at a company, I was put on inbound. So I was forced to talk to people. And so I naturally, you know, being a 24 year old, having, let's say maybe 20 discovery calls in a day, I talked to like 150 teachers in like a week. So for me, I'm taking like you guys already know how I am with my notes, right? So taking lots of I'm, notes, yeah. lots of copious notes. Mm-hmm. Did and you have so, a whiteboard back then? <laughs> I had one. I, well, I had, I had, I usually try to take calls, and we had like little classrooms, and I would try to always take over and whiteboard the whole call out on the board. But yes, I did that. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, like this is, this just makes sense. Like if the way I kind of think of it and starting to be a little more clear now is imagine trying to tell someone that, Hey, like they're directing a movie, like thinking about being a producer, you guys are directing a movie and the people that you're inviting to come watch it literally are not in that movie. Like they can't see themselves in the story that you're telling. And so imagine trying to get, you know, a two-year-old to watch, um, you know, a complex bless you. <laughs> real life i love it I, this is just what happens right so imagine trying to get a two-year-old to you know watch lord of the rings <laughs> probably not going to really understand it right but then if you try to get them to watch peppa pig you're speaking their language you're putting hey, peppa it in, pig is cool easy now <laughs> yeah i like peppa i was gonna pig. say i, 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 I this caught it. myself just like Watch a little bit of Peppa Pig. My, my three-year-old already walked away. I'm still sitting there. There you go. <laughs> I think that's a good point, though. It's like they're not putting on the programming and the content that their customers want to see because their customers don't see themselves in the stories that they're telling on their websites. And so I think talking to your customers, figuring out how to invite them into the larger story that you're telling about your brand and your company is definitely a thing that more people will need to start doing if they want to be successful. So Absolutely. That's, that's my thoughts, man. And I'm, I'm curious, Caitlin, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I kind of want to put you on the spot. Um, do you have, I guess, like either talk to us if you have any thoughts or questions for Roderick that have come up during this time so far. And also, if you don't have any thoughts, this is just how, this is just how I am. So I'm like, don't feel like, Oh my God, like I don't want to have anything to say. Uh, no, just I don't mean- say it in that voice that he just used, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I agree with the point that you just made. That was kind of something that I wanted to touch on is um, 
like we've known that building that like emotional connection is important for sales and marketing for a while. But I feel like the current situation is just like really highlighting that for a lot of people. So I guess I had a question for you. Um, How much did you like try to use that tactic or like that approach before all of this? Or how do you think that that's going to like change and transition? Like, do you think using that emotional connection tactic is going to carry over after all this kind of blows over? I'm glad. Great question. And I'm glad you use the word tactic because if it's a tactic, then it's disingenuous and people will see through it right away. So to answer your question, no, that's how we've been selling. That's how we've been approaching. That was the cornerstone of why we built the business. Yes, it has shifted because the earth has shifted as well as the professional climate. But to, to the point earlier that Travis made, if you're just starting to do this right now, you're behind the curve and it's going to be a while for you to catch up if ever because the world's not what it was before you can't sell you've got to educate you've got to enable you've got to share and you've got to give just to give right now you now selling is, is about i give you something i need something back in return right now it has to be about giving to give and invariably, as I said earlier, the, the customers, the prospects, the, the clients that you stay in touch with right now genuinely will remember when it's time to buy that these people cared about me. They didn't just send me a, a form lever, letter that was part of a drip campaign. They reached out just to say, hey, how are you feeling today? That makes a big difference. Right. And it it leads to something that I've really seen shift in the sales enablement space. And that is um, we've gone from being seen as trainers or we're moving from I don't think we're there yet from being seen as just trainers. Right. My philosophy has always been quite simple. You train animals, you enable people. And as long as we move forward with that people will always be at the center of this. And so we won't need tactics. I love that. I think that's like, and and that's a piece that as you were asking that also great question, Kit, and like love where that came from. And as as you were saying it, I was like, this is just a piece of Roderick's DNA. Like for the the people that are, are starting to pick up and read books on EQ and figure it out, like, it's in you. Like you, you don't practice EQ, right? It's just a piece of you. It's in your DNA and it's how you move. And so that's one thing I just want to point out too. Thank like you. if you're learning this world of sales or business and you're trying to pick up like habits, tactics, tricks, best practices, like you can't fake emotion. You cannot fake in like architect emotional intelligence like it has to be a piece of your dna and for the people that don't have it yet think about some of the things that you're currently doing and ask yourself is this something that i could see myself actually accepting as another human if someone were to do this to me and if the answer is no then probably go back to the drawing board and kind of restart what you were getting ready to send out or how you were getting ready to communicate with someone. Yeah. So it's just great to point out there. How would I receive this email, this call, this text, this tweet, this post, if I were on the receiving side? Because how you mean it truly doesn't matter. How they receive it is what matters. 
That's why I love you're doing a lot with, with, with video because it's very easy for your, your contacts to be taken out of place via, via just written, you know, email, text. Like I know all the time I text my wife, I think I'm being nice, but she thinks I'm being mean and it, it's somewhere, right? Like it's one of yeah. those. So, but, but I think that the, like the video is just bringing out a very much of a, a very natural human element to all this, which, which people are, are gravitating towards. Right. And I think finding right now, people have to lean into those very much, being comfortable in their own shoes and being themselves in sales. I think if you're trying to be this very robotic drip campaign <laughs> salesperson, you're, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to lose big time. You're going to fail big time. Right. Um, but I, I think it's interesting too, right? Because as you put it, you know, if as many hours a week you want to try and practice, like you're not going to be, you know, the, the Michael Jordan, you know, LeBron James, but like, there's people that are out there trying really, really hard, but they're never going to get to be on the, like the Roderick Jefferson level, right? Like, because, because what, what you do and it, it comes across so natural, like this is you, like they're, they're <laughs> like the passion. It's just, you can, you can see it. And that's why I think you're, you're so great at what you do and people learn Thank so you. much from what, everything you're doing. So I truly keep, appreciate keep that up and inspiring everybody else. Thank you. Yes, sir. I love it. And I guess one thing, I guess, to end on as I'm thinking, I'm curious about some of the either new initiatives that you're working on or things that are top of mind for you. Because for me, it's like, well, if you talk to people that are elite and world class, and then you think about what they're thinking about and how they're moving, it's like, oh, well, that's a good thing to be thinking about right now. So what are some of those things for you that either, whether it be partnerships, whether it be initiatives or whatever's top of mind, I'm, I'm just like curious to learn. The answer is all the above. It's looking at partnerships differently and attaching our brand to similar brands from a philosophical perspective right now. It's not just about, hey, can we co-brand? Can we co-sell? And we can all do that. But are we aligned from a philosophical perspective? Do we go to market the same way? Do we approach business from a human and a people perspective? The other is I'm writing a book <laughs> and it's, it's finally starting to come together because I, I think all of these things that have been said and are being shared, it's time to put it together. And um, we're working on the title, but I, you know, it starts the, the sales enablement 2.0 and the rest of it, I've got some ideas, but I'll hold off because the publisher doesn't like any of them and that's what they do. So I will let them run with that. But in essence, it's the things that we've talked about in today and in our previous podcast together. Um, the third is continuing to focus more on video release from our company. And Kevin, to your point, the best way to be misunderstood is typing out words. Right, so no one can see context. They don't get inflection that way. And it comes back to how it's received, not how we're sending it. So you're gonna see a lot more video from us. Um, also some, uh, some more infographics, small things. Um, things like the, the five Ps of sales enablement post-pandemic. It's uh, first we panicked, right? I'm sorry, first we paused because we weren't sure what was happening. Then we panicked. Then you've got to go into planning mode. And then from there, you'll start to see progress. And then eventually, it'll lead to prosperity for those people that do this right. So, you know, we're focusing more, as everyone is, on making sure that we've got more virtual enablement pieces. We were built out a sales leadership university for first and second line managers 
in both an, an e-learning form and also um, in a virtual workshop. I'm doing a lot of work. I was fortunate enough to be named as a sales enablement influencer by LinkedIn. So we've got a whole slew of videos that'll be coming out that LinkedIn, LinkedIn will be pushing, which I feel just honored and humbled to be doing. And then I was also tapped by Udemy for Business. And so we are putting together literally um, what we're calling the Sales Enablement Essentials, Sales Enablement 101 for folks that are trying to migrate into sales enablement or want to up their game in sales enablement or just want to understand what do you guys really do? So there's a lot of things going on over on this side. And in between there, I'm trying to grab one or two winks of sleep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was going over some of my schedule with Caitlin, but geez Louise, that <laughs> is a whole different level. And I mean, I'm, I'm just excited to, you know, see some of that stuff come out and also continue to learn from you because Thank you're you. just someone that- And likewise. Oh, thank you. We're, we're just, we're two guys learning over here. Right. And I think like one of the biggest things that is like a cornerstone of this show is just always being on that learning journey and using every single opportunity to kind of educate yourself, learn, listen, ingest information, but then also not forgetting to reflect and implement the things that we've learned. And so I know for me, one of the things that I'm going to do immediately is in some of the one-on-ones that I have with Caitlin is putting in that framework, like teach, coach, and fix. Like listen. Oh, sorry. Listen, coach, coach, or fix or fix. Sorry. Listen, coach or fix. So we will be bringing those to our one-on-ones, Caitlin. I'm, I'm honored. I love it. Anything else that you want to add before we kind of wrap up here? All I'd like to add is if anyone would like to learn more about what we're doing at Roderick Jefferson Associates, reach out to us. We're all over uh, social media on LinkedIn at Roderick Jefferson and Associates, on Twitter at The Voice of Rod, Facebook at The Voice of Rod. Um, We're on Insta, Roderick underscore J underscore Associates. You can email us info at RoderickJefferson.com or hit us on our website and let us know that you're interested or you'd like to learn more at Roderick Jefferson and Associates. I'd like to say thank you to all of you as well for the opportunity to be able to share this platform and get this content out. There are a lot of podcasts that we get called for and I get called for. Not all of them, again, fit the direction of where we're taking the company or the direction that the world, in my humble opinion, feels I feel like it needs to go. But I'll say to all three of you, Thank you. And you are doing the right thing. Keep doing it. Thank you, Roderick. That, that means the world. I'm, I can't even speak. it. <clears throat> so, uh, Kev, I'll let you wrap up. Jeez Louise. <laughs> okay. uh, uh, it, so Roderick, I don't know if you picked up from any of our other episodes, every single episode at about the hour mark, Kevin's microphone goes crazy every time. It's just saying we've all talked enough. It, yeah, it, there's there's some timer in here that somebody put in. And it was like, all right, Kevin, stop talking. It's not. <laughs> um, no, but honestly, I, I can't can't thank you enough for for your time, your thoughts, your passion, everything. We we always love talking with you, and I think you know you bring an amazing perspective and, and tremendous knowledge to to everything we're doing. And uh, yeah, you're you're a huge inspiration for us, and we're we're learning a ton. So so thank you, big time. And likewise, thank you all very much. Thanks for listening to Addicted to Growth. If you learned something new, don't be shy. 
let people know. The best way to learn a new skill is to practice, day in and day out. Go execute something you just learned this week with your community. Until next time.